Welcome out to the Bulls and the Bears. This is Aaron Wardy. I am joined again today uh, by Tarina. She's taken a couple of weeks off, but we are thrilled to have her back. Hello out there. I'm thrilled to be here. (laughs) Well, so Tarina and I, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, are part of uh, the Trading Academy, uh, the most trusted education for the last 26, or financial education, I should say, for the last 26 years. Um, we are, uh, as always, going to talk a little bit about the markets, and then we're going to roll into some things that um, are going to, well, I think help in the future, because I've had a couple of requests, but I want, I want to get there uh, eventually. What I want to talk about right now is what happened in the markets uh, this week, we had a couple of things that happened. Now, last week, we talked about the CPI and the PPI. And so you remember that last week, even though it was a payday Friday, it was down. This week, the markets were kind of sideways until NVIDIA announced its quarterlies. And it was such a surprise in the positive that um, NVIDIA took off. And because NVIDIA is one of the Magnificent Seven, it carried the S&P along with it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you watched uh, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, Wednesday afternoon, just before the announcement, and then Thursday morning. Well, I should say Wednesday afternoon, if you were in the, um, if you were in the overnight markets. So if you knew, if you know how to, to look at the, um, at, at the futures markets, Mm-hmm. Right, which is the overnight market for the S and P five hundred and the Nasdaq, and you know the the indexes. Anyway, if you know how to look there, then you watched it um, just after hours, just after the market in New York closed. Then the futures market took off uh, in the stock market. If you don't know how to look at the futures market, then you looked at the stock market the next day on Thursday, mm-hmm. and it just gapped up, right, mm-hmm. and then ran a little bit further up. Um, uh, you know, all day. Then Friday of this week, all of the sudden it, uh, it rips up again in the early morning, but then falls for the afternoon. Okay. And last week we had talked about the idea that it was payday Friday and, and, uh, the fact that it didn't go up on payday Friday was a little bit of a concern. Mm-hmm. This Friday was not payday Friday. Mm. All right. And so it went up initially, but in the afternoon, if it had been payday Friday this week, I would have expected that here in the afternoon to see a rise in the S&P. Instead, we saw it drop off back down to almost the levels, well, just below the levels uh, that it, you know what, about the level that it started the day with. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So whether you were looking at the stock market or the futures market, which is an open an extra hour after the stock market Mm -hmm. closes for Fridays, right? um, you know, the stock market ended approximately where it started this morning and the SM or the ES, the futures market Mm -hmm. continued to go down for the next hour and dropping almost to the point or to the place that it started this morning, at least started the run this morning. Yeah. Right. Um, So... In both cases, we watch that drop off. That's usually a sign that the, you know, that the smart money, and especially on Friday, they're a little bit nervous. And so they're getting rid of, of everything they've purchased right. because the long weekend, um, you know, is, a, is an opportunity for people to get really nervous, scared, something to happen. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we watch the markets drop off. And so that's a huge gap risk. Right. Right. Anyway, so that's what happened. Now, some of the things that are making people nervous, I think, is that there is all of the sudden, 
Do you mm-hmm. remember a couple of weeks ago where they were talking about rate cuts, rate cuts, the Fed's going to cut the rates, the Fed's yeah. going to cut the rates, and all this guessing as to when that was going to happen this year? Zero talk anymore. Yeah, okay. they don't expect it. And they were even kind of, um, I was watching like a news podcast and they had one guy who's like, well, it'll go down and then it'll go back up and then it'll go down. Like he, he was a housing sector dude and he was saying, <laughs> and the builders are doing well and that's because they're controlling the supply and demand. And yes, there are more sellers right now than buyers, but, but that will, you know, but there's enough, there's market supply and stuff like that. I don't yeah. know if that has any, if he was just flowing. Well, yeah, you know, I, I mean, if you're in a sector, then it, it's really hard uh, to to not have a bias. And right. so here this guy makes his money from real estate. He wants everybody to, you know, he knows that if people are nervous about real estate, then they don't go and buy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want them to be nervous. And so you want to... Uh, you want to calm some fears. And in fact, we're seeing that in the stock market as well. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute because I, uh, somebody, one of my, one of the students in one of the classes this week pointed out, um, you know, he, he said, Hey, I read this article and now I have not read this article. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he said, I read this article in Bloomberg and it said, don't be worried. And it was an opinion piece. So, you know, you only give so much, uh, <laughs> so much credence to the opinion pieces anyway, but it said, don't be worried that, uh, Warren Buffett is holding so much cash. That's not portending the future, right? That that's not, <laughs> he, he's not saying that the market is going down because he's holding cash. Hmm. Well, so, you know, I, w- I would love to read what that was article. The student, what was the student's opinion when he read that article? Well, the student was confused. All right. Now, now this student, by the way, was coming to the three hours, which, uh, three okay. hour class, which means that uh, in he's the not three like hour a class, student in our student center. He's just like a prospective student. Right. Yeah. And generally, um, you know, they're coming to start figuring things out. But mm-hmm. when a novice is saying, I don't understand this and this doesn't make any sense, then you know that you know, that there's, there's a lot of angst and, and a lot of, uh, intuition out there in the market that this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, because an investor like Warren Buffett, what would be the sense of him holding cash? I don't know. Maybe because he owns Geico and like insurances aren't paying people in Florida anymore for their houses when they get destroyed and well, stuff. And maybe he's like, got to hold the cash so I can pay him off or something. <laughs> Well, yeah, that would that would be good if we were looking at Geico's cash reserve. Oh, but because he it, he is hidden and Berkshire Hathaway is hidden behind a C corp. Ooh, uh, that really doesn't hold water. No, Berkshire okay. Hathaway invests in companies, and you're right. Geico is one of the companies that they invest heavily in. Mm-hmm. They own a majority share there. Yeah, um, but they wouldn't keep cash on hand for Geico itself. They would let Geico hold its own cash. Um, and so it doesn't make any sense. You know, cash does not appreciate. Cash does not gain any value just sitting there. It loses value continually, um, except in the rare instances where we have what's called deflation. Okay, because of inflation, mm-hmm. cash is constantly uh, being degraded in value. In fact, if you look at the CPI and PPI numbers, that right, the consumer price index mm-hmm. and the producer price index, you know that inflation is still very much with us. We mm-hmm. haven't tamed it yet, and therefore the cash, every day that you hold it, is worth less and less. And here he's got a hundred. Here Warren Buffett's uh, Berkshire Hathaway has a hundred and fifty-seven billion dollars worth of cash that is getting 
less and less valuable every day that he holds it in cash. Yeah. Now, if he had put it in the markets, I mean, the markets were up 2% this week. Mm -hmm. That's quite a bit. All right. Um, now it dropped back off, so I shouldn't say 2%, but you know, it, it was going up this week, not down. We had an up week. We had an, uh, last week was a little bit of a down week, but not serious. The week before that and the 14 weeks before that were all kind of up weeks. We were on a, a, a you know, a, a major uptrend here and Warren Buffett is sitting out of this market with $157 billion worth of cash. Well, um, I don't know what the guy was thinking you know, trying to answer the question because it does not make any sense that Warren Buffett would hold cash unless he was wanting to deploy his cash into something that he thought was really low right now. Well, there's not much really big that's low right now. He mm -hmm. hasn't been deploying his yeah. cash. All right. He has traditionally done this right before a drop in the market. Now, I'm not predicting a drop in the market. That's not what mm -hmm. I'm saying. I'm just saying that that I'd love to read the article because I can't figure any reason that Warren Buffett would be holding cash except that he was preparing for things to become less expensive. All right. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, the market has, you know, continued to surge uh, week over week for the most part. Uh, most of the surge this week was right after the NVIDIA quarterlies. Uh, and it's getting to you know, the levels where, yeah, Warren Buffett is starting to look ridiculous for continuing to hold cash. Maybe he's lost his edge. I don't know. You know, fortunately, uh, small potatoes like, uh, like us who don't have 157 billion or even a billion dollars worth of cash, we don't have to be concerned as much about um, trying to pull cash early, you know, anything like that. Warren Buffett, he can't hit the top of the market. Okay. Yeah. Because the moment he starts pulling cash out, it hurts the market. It starts dropping it. And so in order to preserve as much value as possible, he has to withdraw early. Not true for the common investor, you know, for people that don't have uh, billions of dollars. Uh, they, they can get out with, you know, even a couple of million without the market even touching it. All right. It would take maybe 30, 40 million dollars for the market to even see a blip. Um, with the kind of money that runs through it today. So, you know, and I'm, when I'm talking about the market, I'm talking about the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for it to even register there, it would have to be a massive drop. Um, and we, we simply have not seen that. Okay. Uh, we simply haven't seen, um, uh, you know, Warren Buffett pull immediately. What we've seen mm -hmm. in 2000, in 2008, is that he slowly withdraws the cash and then he waits for the for the drop. Okay. And, and then when he puts it in, he gets as much as possible low. And that does drive up the market. Um, but he's buying it low, right? Yeah. Um, for the common investor, we don't have to get out when Warren Buffett gets out. Maybe that's what the article is saying. I don't know. I haven't read it. But, you know, we can ensure our, we can either use stops to get mm -hmm. us out, um, you know, let it keep running and mm -hmm. simply move your stop up. Right. Uh, Warren Buffett can't do that. Yeah. For a stop to work, there has to be a buyer when he wants to sell. And there isn't a buyer large enough to cover his $157 billion worth of, of share stocks, right? Right. Um, and so, but for us, there's typically somebody on the other side ready to fill our stop. 
Right. Not as much a concern for us. If you don't trust the stop because you've seen things like 2008, where stops weren't working because it was going down too fast, mm-hmm. like um, 2020 when it was limiting down, and we mm-hmm. saw a, come a couple limit limit downs during that period, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, you were in class. Um, when President uh, March, Trump was right? talking, yeah. yeah, he was like, "Covid's come," you, and we were, we had the stock market up at the same time, like the S and P 500, and you just watch it just it Tank. just dived every time he opened his mouth. <laughs> it just went further and further and then further and further, and then he stopped talking, and then it just kept going. And it kept limiting down, right? All of a sudden, it would stop, and they'd have to pause it for a couple of minutes. I think and then they open made up trading two again. pauses during yeah. his speech. And that was about it. But I don't know. I mean, because it was like, it was almost at the end of the day right. for the markets. But I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> so I just feel terrible if someone was like, oh, I'm going to catch, I'm going to catch the upturn. It's payday. If it was a payday Friday, if they're like, I'm going to catch the upturn on the market. And so at the end of the day, you know, and they forgot that Trump was talking and then all of a sudden it just blew down. I can't even imagine yeah. if they, if they went long, like how much money those people Oh, right. because like your stops would have been blown out. There just wasn't enough Absolutely. people to just buy. Them. Well, and, and so if you're worried about the limit down thing and you're worried about not uh, your stops not working, hey, there's options, yeah. right? If you're worried that, that, hey, it might happen overnight, the announcement comes after the market and it's going to blow through where I'd put my stop. Well, then there's options. And we talked about options last week and the magic of the put. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know what? The put is magical in a lot of different ways. What ways are they magical? Well, it's insurance for you. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, every, everybody loves that because yeah. who doesn't love insurance? You can, you can insure every penny you've got. Right. Beautiful thing. Um, but uh, Warren Buffett is the biggest seller of cash-secured puts. Mm. Now, cash-secured puts are also a magical thing for you um, investors. All right. Now there's a difference between trading and investing, right? So when I'm talking about investing, I'm talking about holding it long term. And the magic of the, of the cash secured put is that you are getting it, you know, you're, you're, you're selling a put and offering to buy it from somebody, but only at the price that you want to buy it, which is much lower than it is right now. Mm -hmm. And they are paying you to take it from them if it hits that price. Yeah. Okay. So you get it at that price and you get, until it hits that price, kind of a little rent check all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, Warren Buffett, he looks at it and he says, well, yeah, here's where I think I want to buy it. And I'm going to insure everybody. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and sell this put so that they'll sell it to me when it hits that point. Because I'm going to buy everything I can at that dollar uh, price. Yeah. Right? Uh, so... You know, Warren Buffett loves using that. He loves picking up money until it hits his price. And he, you know, he wants to be a buyer at that price anyway. Yeah. So, so it's a magical just, thing. He, it's a magical thing. And he's just like, hey, why not use all the tools that I have? Yeah. And yeah, nobody can insure to, me, but hey, I'll, I'll insure, insure you. you. Yeah. So, <laughs> to sell it to me at the price I want anyway. I want it at that price. That's right. Therefore, I will force it to that price. You know, yeah. Yeah. So. And he's protecting himself and he's getting it to where he wants it. That's exactly right. So anyway, if, if some of this, if you're hearing about this maybe for the first time saying, oh, I can insure my money or oh, what is this, uh, you know, cash secured put, 
uh, come into one of our free three-hour classes and and ask the question. All right, I talk about put. I talk about uh, calls and puts anyway. I talk about some of these these options. Now I talk about stocks, options, futures, and forex, but yeah. but it's in there. Mm-hmm. I've got three hours to explain things, and I love questions. So come into one of my three-hour uh, power trading and investing workshops. If you're in the Phoenix area, you come in person. All right. And you would get to one of those uh, free classes by going to www.tradingacademy.com. That's www.tradingacademy.com. All right. Now I want to turn to another subject really fast because this is a special request. All right. Oh. Um, as part of what I do in classes, I do a little bit of it in the three hour class, but mostly in the three day market timing mm-hmm. class. Yes. Okay. I. Um, in in the market timing class, I go through and I, I help people understand how to look at a stock worth investing in. Now, I don't give stock tips, okay? But um, I'm going to, but they've asked d- yeah, during Yeah, that's my show. favorite question from people who are becoming students. They're like, well, we'll just have Aaron tell me what to invest in and then I'll just make the money and then I'll buy and classes. I'll take more classes. And I'll take more classes. <laughs> and I'm like, he, he's not allowed to do that by federal yep. regulation. I'm sorry. That's illegal. And I, he can't even assure you that advisor. that stock's going to go up. Like that was the funny thing. I'm like, he can't, he, he can't assure you. You can say, yeah, it looks like a good thing, but he can't assure you. You know, I'm like, you have to take the classes to be able to see where, you know, to see the charts and to know where to get in and to set yeah. a stop. And I just thought that was really funny. I was like, well, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I've done well in the past, mm-hmm. um, both in investing and trading. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can probably point you to some things, but only if you know what you're looking at in the first place, because otherwise it's not going to make a whole bunch of sense to you. Right. So I try to, in my three-hour class, and, and then dig a b- little bit deeper into it, into the three-day class, mm-hmm. you know, I try to point out, um, point out some things that you would look at when you were uh, kind of screening for things to put in your portfolio. Yeah. All right. And I take, you th- I take my students through the same uh, process that Warren Buffett would go through if he's looking at things, all right? Yes. So I would never trade like Warren Buffett because he's not much of a trader. Okay. Mm, he is a great investor though. Yes. I'd invest like him, you know, every day of the week. Yes. All right. And, and so when it comes to investing, you know, um, you want to look at things in a different way. Now, this is going to be a little bit more difficult because I'm going to try and explain the process, okay? Mm-hmm. It would be so much easier... If we were in class and I had whiteboards and charts um, at my disposal, we could look at the information together Mm -hmm. and things like that. What I'm going to do is kind of go through the general outline of what to look at, kind of piece by piece. And because this is a podcast and you can, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, review things, Mm -hmm. just just go back to Mm -hmm. uh, the time period when I'm looking at this. Maybe if you take this and go ahead and review it a couple of times and look at some stocks and uh, do these comparisons that I'm talking about, all right, mm-hmm. then you will be able to, uh, you know, to compare uh, piece by piece what's going on, mm-hmm. all right, and and maybe figure it out over time mm-hmm. and get a little bit closer. Um, is this the entire answer? Well, probably not, okay, because um, if you were doing it for real... You know, one of the things that I'm not going to talk about during this process is how to screen it for, you know, as a good candidate for um, 
for covered calls. Okay. And I consider covered calls to be essential in a wealth plan for anybody that's got some, you know, real money to invest. So if someone's listening to this program for the first time, what would be a covered call? A covered call is where you already own the stock. Mm Mm-hmm. And you would look at the chart and say, all right, within the next two weeks, I'm going to ensure somebody that they can buy it from me at a much higher price than I paid for it, right? Right. Um, but I'm watching it uh, either go sideways, go up, maybe even go down. But it, the point is, is that the price currently is above where I bought it. Okay. Okay. And then I would pick out that point, And if I really knew what I was doing, I'd pick it out in an area where if it hit that area, it would very likely turn around and go right back down. Okay. okay. And I would say, I will sell it to you. I'm going to ensure you that you can buy it from me at that point, at that price, which is higher than it is now. Mm-hmm. But if it hits that price, I will sell it to you. All of my okay. shares, my hundred shares of, of stock, I will sell it to you at that price. Um, if it doesn't hit that price, I get to keep that money. Money that you right? rented the premium, out the space. Mm-hmm. Because the I'm, I'm renting it out to you. I'm renting... I'm renting all of the opportunity from that point, you know, the, the price that, it, that higher price that we agreed upon, mm-hmm. right. From that point upwards. And so, you know, there are people that would say, all right, if it's that point, I think it's just going to take off. They're going to buy it from me. Right. All right. So they give me that premium money. If it hits that price, mm-hmm. then I sell it to them at a profit. I sell my stock to them at a profit. And you're happy. Both and sides I'm happy. are happy. Right, I made a profit and I took the premium. If it doesn't hit that price, I keep the premium. Yeah, and I make money even though I keep my my stocks. Right. If I'm good, mm-hmm. then it's going to come close or hit that price. Right. And I'm going to sell it off, but then it's going to drop right back down because if you watch how stock works, even when it's going up, it goes in stair step pattern. Yeah. Right. It goes up, levels off, goes down, up, levels off, goes down. Now it doesn't go down as far as it was the last time. Mm-hmm. But it will go up, level off, go down. So if you're timing that correctly, mm-hmm. if you're looking at it and saying, all right, here's the regular movement and here's where it's going, you know, likely going to be, uh, then you're going to time it to be at the top of one of those stairs. If you get forced to sell out, you can always buy it back when it drops back down. Hmm. And so you're selling out at a higher price than you're buying it back a few days later. Yeah. So it works out really well. All right. There are companies that will do covered calls for you, but you're not going to make as much. Yeah. All right. If you let them do it as you would doing it yourself. Because there's a fee associated. So. Right. There you go. So the covered call, you know, is a beautiful thing. It's the only thing that I can teach where right up front I say, hey, look, this has zero risk. Mm-hmm. You're going to make money on the covered call itself. Right. You know, no matter what happens to the stock. Now, the stock could, you know, go to zero. Right. But at least you've made money on the covered call. Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's a beautiful thing and it, it's, it's, uh, one of those things that I consider absolutely necessary for a large, you know, for a, a medium to large portfolio, anything over a couple hundred thousand dollars, you really should be doing covered calls as part of your, of your wealth plan. Yes. Okay. Anyway, um, I'm not going to talk about the covered calls. I'm not going to go through, uh, you know, what it would be or what you would screen as a good candidate for a covered call. Because I don't have either the time or capacity to lead people through that in this format. If you want to learn, come to class, you know, the free class, and, uh, and we'll go through it there. And you can ask all the questions you want there. All right. 
Um, but what we are going to go through is just looking at candidates to put in a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So first, when we're talking about, you know, buying, when we're talking, when I'm going through this, I want you to understand that what we're talking about is investing. That means that I plan on using this in my portfolio long term. Mm-hmm. It's going to sit there for long term. This is not a trading technique. In trading, we took look at totally different things. Yes, we do. We definitely do. So separate out in your mind this from the trading talk. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is straight up investing, something I'm going to hold for a period of time. All right. Um, a longer period of time. All right. So first, you would scan and look at the industry that mm-hmm. you want, understanding that every industry or sector of the market has its own cycle. And what you're looking for is something that's at the bottom of its cycle, ready to cycle back up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So first you find the cycle and um, then you start being very specific in the cycle. So for instance, we could, if we were, I don't know if this were uh, 2003 or 2008, be looking at the NASDAQ stocks, the tech stocks, which took a much larger beating than many of the other stocks during the same period, right? Yes. And we would look at those and say, all right, now it's it's close to the bottom and I want to be able to get back into these. Mm-hmm. So now what tech stocks should I be looking at? All right. And, uh, and then we would have to decide within the tech sector, then there are certain companies that I believe will do better uh, than others. Uh, Apple, NVIDIA, yeah. things like that, that might mm-hmm. do better than something um, that something that is tech related, like a dot com company, but mm-hmm. not as much a hardware company. Yes. Right. Okay. So you'd specify <laughs> down from the industry into the specifics as to what you want to do. Next, you would have to start comparing all of the companies in terms of financial stability. Okay. What does that mean? I'm well, getting so lost. I'm, Sorry. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting, I, I'm going to walk through the financial stability at this time. Okay. All right. Right. I now. mean, I know what you're talking about because I've been on there, but like, I'm starting to get a little bit lost. Yeah. And, and what you, you know, first some ground rules, realize that all of the companies in the sector want to be on the cutting edge. They do. They do. Right. They want to have a good in, company. In whatever sector you're in. Yeah, they want to be on the cutting edge. And so for at least the time being, we are going to ignore who is the leader in the company uh, with the newest technology or, or something like that, because okay. that always shifts. You remember in the cell phone industry, it used to be Verizon that had the most towers and the best coverage. Mm-hmm. And it's not anymore. It's they can't They can't claim it on commercials because they lost it to T-Mobile and... Uh, when T-Mobile bought AT&T, they can't claim to be the fastest anymore. T-Mobile took them over. Okay. And uh, so those dang Japanese. Oh, I know it. No, I'm just kidding. Isn't, isn't T-Mobile owned by SoftBank, which is from Japan? Mm-hmm. You are correct. They have their plans. Yep. So they gobbled up them. not only T-Mobile, but also AT&T and a couple of other smaller ones, Sprint. They gobbled up Sprint. That's right. We were on Sprint, weren't we? Mm -hmm. Now we're with T-Mobile. Yep. And all of a sudden, they've got the widest network. And all of a sudden, when we go over, so like we were driving on the 20, from the 202 to the 101, there's Mm -hmm. like this ramp. And we always were dropping calls on that stupid ramp. So we switched over to Sprint and we didn't drop calls as much. And now we don't drop calls on that ramp at all. At all, it doesn't even yeah. come up anymore. It's pretty cool. There are places we were where now it's T-Mobile and yeah. no, no no cutout anymore. But now there's a cutout yeah. on the 202 
like for like somewhere yeah like for like a mile and mm. a, and a I third haven't noticed. i always seem to call my mom right before then she's like hello hello <laughs> hello and i'm all i wonder if this is subliminally i'm i'm doing that you know where i'm like she's gonna get she's gonna say something and i'm gonna get upset no i'm just kidding no yeah. we get along great but you know what i mean like i always wonder about that it's kind of funny yeah. So at least early in the process, we're going to ignore the cutting edge stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. And we're going to look straight at the financials. Yeah. um, Because, you know, you should recognize that downturns, hardships come. Yes. And the the company that can weather the storm Mm -hmm. the best, that is best set up to weather the storm, will likely end up winning in the end, all right? Because even if they don't have the cutting edge... But somebody else has the cutting edge, but they can't financially make it through the storm. Right. Then the company that can uh, is either going to overtake in share value, or you know, in in the. Is to win there. Yeah, they're going to outpace them eventually with the technology, or they're going to gobble them up. They're going to go yeah. ahead and buy them, and and now they've got it all. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. You want to look for the one that has the the best finances. So what we're going to do first is open up a, a summary page, right, okay. on the company. And we're going to look first at the P.E. ratio. Now, the P.E. ratio is the price of the stock divided by the profit of the company the or the earnings. Yeah. So price divided by earnings. It's so hard to describe this. So, I mean, like I'm trying to picture it. And the only reason why I can understand what he's saying is because you go to that Yahoo web page like Mm -hmm. yahoo finance and then you you look at i don't know what you click on is it fundamentals you probably just said that no 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 it's the summary page it's a summary page so you click on the summary page there's a little tab click on it and then you could see like there's like this little thing that'll say pe well there's a whole bunch of numbers one of them is going to be p yeah and there's slash so it'll it'll have like the word in front of it and then it'll have the number right there okay so aaron's saying you're taking the you're dividing the price of earnings the price by the earnings of what they make, like what right. the products. So current price of the stock divided by the, what's called the earnings per share. The Something I'll be talking share. about later, okay. right? EPS is is yeah. probably just below the PE ratio. Yes. All right. But you'll look at that. You want to see that it's a positive number. Right. If they don't have a PE ratio, that means they don't have any profit. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. All right. You don't want something that can't make a profit. Definitely. Um, but you look at the PE ratio and you make sure that that is, and this is where you start comparing, okay? You go to other companies within that sector that do the exact same thing. Yes. All right. So if you were looking at Apple, you'd have to look at either other phone companies or other software companies like Microsoft. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that the PE ratio is consistent. Something. Yes. Consistent with the average PE ratio. In that company in that, area. In that company area. Or, or, or that, below it. In that okay? production area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that sector. Sector. Now, if it's below it, <laughs> Coming it up means, with my own words. <laughs> yeah, if Sorry. it's below it, it means that there's not as much uh, emotional attention on that particular company. Okay? Which might not be a good thing. But you want it at least consistent with other things in its right. sector. All right? So um, that's your first comparison, the P-E ratio. All right? Lower is good, but much higher than the average sector tells you that the profit margin is probably very low and they will be less likely to be able to weather the next storm. Right. Now, there are exceptions, okay? So if you were looking at the car industry, mm-hmm. um, then you would look at Ford and it would be, you know, the, the PE ratio might be somewhere around six or seven. Mm-hmm. You'd look at GE and that's even lower, all right? You'd look yeah. at Toyota, which is nine, I think. Wow. And then all of a sudden you look at Tesla, 
uh-huh. which is, you know, 56, 57, something like that. Right. Way outside of the norm. Okay. Okay. Way outside of, of where it is. And so you're starting to say, whoa, you know, what is going on? But then Hello. you look at their profit margin and their profit margin to their debt is actually pretty good. Okay. And I'll go through that a little bit later. Right. So what is going on with this company? All right. The exception here is that is that Tesla didn't used to be uh, considered to be in the same sector as Ford and GM. Okay. Mm. When they were the only uh, automaker making electric vehicles, then they had something of an oligopoly. Yes. They were in their own sector and they didn't have anybody to compare to. And everybody got it really excited about Tesla. And so they were bidding up the stock. Okay. And it's way mm-hmm. outside of the norm for that. Now, right. in 2021, all of a sudden, GM, Ford, all of the rest of them, except Toyota. Toyota is just getting into the um, electric vehicle game, right? The right, EV comes right. out uh, here in 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of a sudden, everybody's making these electric vehicles. And now Tesla is just another automaker. And what you've seen is, is that the price of Tesla mm-hmm. has been dropping. Their profit has stayed the same. And so, right. and so their PE ratio has been coming down over the last three years. It's going to take another five years, maybe even a decade for it to get down to where everybody else is. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, either the price of the stock is going to continue to fall or the profit is going to raise so that it is consistent with its sector. Right. Okay. Um, and so when you see exceptions like that, then you have to you have to look very carefully at why there's an exception. Yes. In Tesla's case, it was an exception because it was an oligopoly and now it's not. And that means that the price is going to drop and it has been dropping. And that's exactly what I would expect yes. from a company that used to have uh, close to a monopoly and now doesn't. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Um, having a little bit of G2 as to what, uh, oh, that was a military term. Having a little <laughs> bit of um, understanding as to what, uh, wow. you know, what the companies do and, and wh- why mm-hmm. things are the way they are yes. uh, would be very helpful when looking at the, the exceptions. Yes. All right. So after looking at the PE ratio, slide down just a couple of slots and you'll see what's called the EPS or the earnings per share. Okay. What you want to do is make sure that that earnings per share, that EPS, is a larger number by a decent margin okay. than any, uh, any dividend that they okay. would give out. Okay. And you know yeah. that it gives out a dividend if you see uh, a term called yield, which is typically, at least in Yahoo, it would be a little bit higher on the list, somewhere above okay. the PE ratio. Okay. You'd be looking for yield. Okay. And... Uh, and there you're going to see two numbers, a percentage number, like mm-hmm. 3.8%, but also a dollar figure number. Okay. That EPS should be higher than the dollar figure, because if it's not, then what you know is, is that they're making, so I was looking at a company the other day, and they were making uh, 87 cents per share per year. Mm-hmm. That was their profit. Okay. But they were paying $1.72 in... Uh, you know, in their, in their dividend. Uh-huh. Now I ask you, how can you pay a dividend of $1.72 when you're only making a profit of 86? Yeah. How can you do that? All right. 86 cents. And, and the answer yes. is, is that you can temporarily by borrowing from past funds or borrowing, yes. you know, taking money out of coffers that would go to other things. 
But eventually, this is you're either going to be borrowing money to pay a dividend going into debt, yes. um, or you're robbing from essential uh, company activities to pay that dividend, mm-hmm. robbing future prospects. Okay, so either of those is a really bad sign. Mm-hmm. If I see uh, earnings per share that is higher than or th- that is lower than the dividend, uh, then I start becoming less interested in the stock altogether. Uh, because they're not making very good financial decisions. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Then, after you look at those three things, now it's time to get into the financials. So find the financials. There should be a selection if you've got anything, even Yahoo Finance, which mm-hmm. isn't the best of of programs, but it's good enough yeah. for, you know, for anything like this. It gives you some good stuff and it's free. I mean, like, who doesn't like free yeah but free you've got to start you, you can't always trust, trust the information it. yeah lately you can't right? well we know that um, right like sometimes so, wikipedia is wrong well yeah and you always have to verify <laughs> the dividend right it, it carries yeah, you do. it carries old information about dividends for a little bit longer yes so be careful with uh when you you're judging it by dividend yes um, if you're on Yahoo Finance, okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go to the financials, and the first thing you want to look at is is the um, you know, is the gross margin, okay, which is going to be there in their cash statement, mm-hmm. okay. So look at the gross profit margin, okay, and the gross profit margin needs record that, and then immediately go over to their um, their balance sheet, okay, okay. And you'll look down for liabilities, and there should be something where you can see both current liabilities and long-term liabilities. Mm -hmm. What you need to see Mm -hmm. in order for this to be a good company, all right, is you need to see um, a a gross margin or gross profit margin needs to be larger, and by a a decent margin, larger than the current liabilities. Current liabilities, that's what the company has to pay off this year. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. They've taken loans. Now they have to pay all of that off. That's what's due that year. Mm-hmm. If your profit is lower than that amount, yes, then that's a little bit of a bad thing. Okay. No They're going to be renewing debt and renewing it at a much higher rate than they got it initially, which mm-hmm. is going to start cutting into their ability to produce the same profits in the future. Yes. Um, their advertising budget, their R&D budget. Mm-hmm. And so this company is going to be hurt in the long run uh, you know, all things equal with other companies if they have larger gross profit margins to their current liabilities. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Uh, so you want to look at those two things first. Finally, you want to compare those financials and everything you just looked at to everything else in the sector, all of the other companies you're comparing it to. Okay. Okay. The final check would be to compare stock performance over the last five years. Five. Because if you have all things equal, but one of them is climbing higher than the others, yes, then you know that, that the one that you're looking at has more emotional attention and therefore more, more yeah. opportunity um, for... You know. Okay, so when you say climbing higher, you mean like the chart, where if it's going up higher yeah. and the price is going up, then you have more emotional attachment to it. And so it's... Right, as the, a percentage. As a percentage. And so it may be a really great thing to go into. Yeah, you've got more emotional percentage. That means that when good news comes out, then their stock will go higher than... It might go down, but then it will go higher. Yeah, yeah. 
when bad news comes out, it's not going to go down as far. It might go down, but then it will, right? then it will go back up. Yeah, or it might go up NVIDIA. and then back down and then go up. So yeah, look at NVIDIA go. and how it performed this week, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the money that, that uh, NVIDIA made in its quarterly statement. Yes. And then the appreciation in the stock market on its stock. Mm-hmm. If you add that up, then the cap rate... Mm-hmm you know, just blew out of the water anything that they would have made. I mean, it was, it was multiple, it was multiple decades of the profit that they made, um, you know, in their quarterlies. It it made zero sense for it to go that high, but because nobody knows how to read the numbers, they're going to emotionally push any good news if they're concentrated on that stock. And so if you've got something where you've got emotional capital as well as good numbers, all things being equal, yeah. Uh, then you want to take the one that has the most favorable emotional connection as well. That's true. All right. And a lot of people are trading on emotion. Well, it's usually a place where you trade on emotion. That's right. Um, but, you know, the most important thing is all things being equal, the best uh, funded company is going to probably do better in the long run mm. in that sector. Mm-hmm. So look at those financials very carefully. Okay. It's important. Yes. Okay. Um, finally, there's one more thing to check. All right. Okay. Now we're going to turn back. I told you to ignore this up front, but now you want to look at any patents um, or advantages that any company has over all of the other companies. Okay. Now, some patents are more valuable than others. For instance, you have things like Tesla and they yeah. had patents on their, you know, on their vehicle and the touchscreen and everything mm-hmm. like that. But it was going to be short-lived because... Well, who can't design that? Because everybody's like, now I want a touchscreen in my car. Yeah, and, and everybody's yeah. like, but I want it smaller. Yeah, we already like- had touchscreens, <laughs> you know. So really, you know, this stuff was already out there and they simply had a patent on, on how they did things, mm-hmm. right? But does that mean that was the only way to do things or that an engineer could sit down and start designing and within a couple of years you know, things could catch a little up. bit different. Yeah. So yeah, a Tesla had a five year advantage, maybe, well, actually more like a three year advantage on everybody else when yeah. it came down to it. Right. Yeah. Um, everybody decided back in 2018 that people were interested in buying, um, electric vehicles, that it was kind of going to be a big thing in the future. Mm-hmm. They started working on it by 2021. All of the companies are coming out with it. And they're happy to do that. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be a temporary advantage mm-hmm. where if, you know, a company came out with a pill that all of a sudden cured cancer and they had a 10-year exclusivity on that formula. Everybody's now, investing in that company. It, not only is everybody investing, but but other people can't, you know, there is they a They can't barrier. produce it They can't of produce it. it. And so it's yeah. going to have a more lasting advantage. So when you're looking at the patents and things like that, you you need to understand how long that's going to give them an advantage. Well, I also think it's like also where it's produced because we all know about intellectual patent rights and... Well, yes. And, it, it, you know, that's going to so have... it may not be 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Understand the... Well, it'll be 10 years, but... In the U.S. In the U.S., but in All other right. places. Yeah, China's yeah. going to immediately get it, and they're going to start producing it. So if it wasn't it's not going to be worldwide. If it's not produced in the U.S. Yeah. If it's in produced France, in other they'll have a, a thousand years, because France, you know, the patents, the those things, you know, are always belong to the company. That there is isn't awesome. a time where they... But they have social programs, so they control prices for patents anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
But understanding, (laughs) (laughs) understanding the patents and how valuable they are is, is kind of important. All right. All right. So I hope that that was a little bit better than clear as mud. Okay. Okay. I know that without seeing it firsthand, that's going to be difficult. It's but... really hard to see it, not see it on the board and stuff. But here's yeah. the thing: is those who are trading and who are one of our students and maybe not strategic investor. This is important to understand if you're doing long-term investing. Yeah. And then, and you've been a student, you know where where the levels are, what looks like a good price for the time, you know. And you're doing, you're looking at your charts and stuff like that, making assessment. This yeah. is just an another like add advantage to add into your trading profile practice. I mean, like you and I, there were times where we went over companies that at the time, mm-hmm. their PE ratios and their profitability, their their um, uh, their trade, what is it called? It starts with an F. What you're just teaching this thing. When their you're, financial statements. Their financial statements, but it's also a fundamental trader oh, would yeah. look at. But then we also took... We also took um, the court, chart into the core strategy. We took yeah. in the technical analysis of it, and there were some some places that were like, "No, it's not at a good price. We don't want to buy into it right now." Mm-hmm. And then there was others where like, "It's at a great price. It's time to go. Let's get it." And so this is something that you oh, can absolutely. add into. So you don't always have to be just a technical analysis trader or just a fundamental analysis trader. You can actually merge those two and become like someone because some people are like, "Hey, I can't handle." you know, companies that don't have anything behind them. Yeah. But I want to invest into an important, into a good company. And so if you, if you can merge these two together, mm-hmm. that's just a great strategy, in my opinion. It just helps you. So. Oh, absolutely. What you want. I mean, the best, the best opportunities come when stars align. Yes. All right. So if you've got great fundamentals and, and uh, the chart looks, looks good, it's in the, it's in a great yeah. place to buy. You're going to be much better off than simply relying on fundamentals, but not understanding you know, where the low points are so that you can get it at the most efficient price. Right. right. And like I'm watching, like I'm watching, I've been doing a strategic uh, investor trading, right? And Mm -hmm. I haven't been too pleased with it. It's been all right. But, um, and I've just been holding it a little bit longer because I'm like, I'm studying the chart. This time I'm just studying the chart right now. Mm -hmm. And so I feel really, I'm really happy about what I'm doing, but I think it takes time. It takes study and stuff. And so if you're looking to get into one of these fundamental trading perspectives, my only, my only advice to a trader is study the chart for a while. If you're a technical analysis trader and, and then see where the, especially with dividend trades and stuff like that is like, where do their dips happen? When does yeah. it, because you can almost, after trading this stock, and this is my learning, this is my education, I'm passing it on to others, after um, trading this stock, and I will not be giving out what stock it is, because I'm not allowed to. Anyways, <laughs> um, I've, I've realized that, oh, if I had just waited until this point, I would have gotten it on, on a better sale price, and I would have been happier with it. And yeah. so, so when you see those kind of things, it's just like, be patient, watch for the price to come to you. Put in the price point, you'll be yeah. happy, you know, like... Well, and you'll be much happier because, you know, the difference, especially, you know, and you're mentioning these dividend stocks. Right. The difference between buying it, you know, um, at this price and then a lower price is, is that your dividend could be, you know, you could be, get a dividend of 5% or, or 7%, 7% if you wait for the price to get to where 
where it's going to be eventually, according to the chart. Right. All right. The and dividend is not going to change. Like a dividend of $1.26 a year is going to remain $1.26, but it's a higher percentage dividend if you're buying it, you know, at, at $12 rather than at, at $17. Right. right. And here's the thing is that like, so when you're, when you're doing that, there's things where people will push up the dividend mm-hmm. and then they'll let it drop. And then they'll push it up and let it drop. They're, they're dividend well, hunters where, that will try to do that. They'll push and up so, the price of the stock. Yeah, as it it's coming into the its dividend, dividend is, time period, as yeah. it's coming into that, that period. And so you're, you know, it might just be better just to wait for that dividend to be paid out mm-hmm. and let it drop going at that point yeah. and get in. Anyways, these are just things that like I just felt like I wanted to share with the radios, with, with our podcast listeners. And thank you. Thank you, you for our... Or podcast listeners, right. we love you. And, and Trina, thank you for those words of wisdom. I don't That's know if exactly they're words right. of wisdom or not. I mean, I Kelly Boykes will be telling me because like, shout out to you, <laughs> Kelly. Anyways, because he's like, that was right. That wasn't right. I'm like, well, tell me when I'm wrong, buddy, because I'd love to be saying it on the radio. Anyways, ha ha ha. Have a good laugh at me, yeah. Kel. But um, yeah, so I just feel like there's things that um, that I want traders to know. Yeah. And stuff. And and that's my little two tidbits that I have learned. And it's been a fun ride to learn that. And and I was happy with where I put in my stuff. I just, I wish I would have waited because I think... You think when, you could have done better. I think I could. I know I could have done better. Well, I mean, his, well, I you've, think got, I you've got done 2020 better. vision in the yeah, history, Yeah, 2020 right? vision yeah. in the history and stuff. And I'm not complaining. I, I put in... I knew what I was doing when I entered it in. I had a plan. I'm following my plan right now. Um, and and I'm okay. I'm okay. Good. But so I think I'll be coming up with a better plan soon. Yeah. But I just wanted to watch it and see because I've been watching through the charts where it goes up and go down. And so like it's important to see like the cyclical time period of that dividend stock sure. and what they do. Anyways. Anyway, okay, let's back move to on. the point. You know, picking companies to put in your portfolio <laughs> that have long-term advantage is the best known and you know most widely accepted way to beat the market over time as long as the investor is not too diversified. Right. Okay. Um, diversifying too much means that you're going to average the market. Right. But picking good companies um, to put in your portfolio uh, that have long-term advantages is what Warren Buffett does. Yep. And when we're look, talking about investing, yeah, I do what Warren Buffett does. Do what Warren you know? Buffett does. Uh, so picking through <laughs> the companies that uh, Berkshire Hathaway puts in their portfolio, they're going through the exact same thing. Yeah. Now, what you don't want to do is just buy everything that's in the Berkshire Hathaway portfolio because you never know what price they bought it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Warren Buffett is not currently buying Coca-Cola. He's He bought it back in the 80s and he hit, isn't continuing to buy Coca-Cola because it's not at the right price. It but was he back was in the happy 80s. with the price that he got at the 80s. I'm sure he is because he's getting a 300% dividend for the price that he got. Ba-ching! All right. Anyway, understanding the tools like options to boost the strategies is even better. And yes. most don't have the financial uh, the financial understanding to do that and to safely use those tools effectively. But if, you'd, if you want a better understanding of those tools and strategies in the market, if you want to see what we're talking about here because you'd like to see it up on the charts and things like that, yeah. come into one of our you know, power trading and investing workshops and we'll go through it. All right. If you're in the Phoenix area, come in person. You get to ask me questions. If you're online, no asking questions. Okay. 
It's just how it goes. So come in, <laughs> come in. Uh, you would find that class by going to www.tradingacademy.com. That's www.tradingacademy.com. And you will find those three, three, free three-hour classes. Hope to see you there and hope you're listening next week. <laughs>